When I found out that our theme for this year was to know and to be known, and we're going to spend the whole year kind of focusing in on community and talking about relationships, both the joys and the challenges that come with being in relationship, I thought, we got to pull that song out. And so the Wayback Playback Machine takes us to 1983 for that one. And uh, wow, unbelievable. Yes is the name of the group. And I want us to read together the lyrics of the chorus of that song. It's on the screen, and let's read this out loud together. Read it with me. Owner of a lonely heart, much better than an owner of a broken heart. I wonder what you think of that sentiment. Can you see it right here? Oh, there it is. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, there's, they're suggesting it'd be a lot better to just have a lonely heart than it would be to have a broken heart. It would be better to have a life where we're not really in relationship, we're not really a part of community, because, you know, all people do is let us down and disappoint us and end up breaking our hearts. So it's better to have a lonely heart than a broken heart. In a room like this, on a day like this, there's probably all kinds of hearts. Uh, some of you, maybe you're here and your hearts are full. It's been a good weekend for you. You're filled with hope and joy and love and peace and anticipation. And I'm guessing there are others of you who are here with maybe hearts that are empty, hearts that are lonely, hearts that are broken. And part of what I want to communicate as we get going in this message is whatever the condition of your heart today, this is where you belong. This is the right place for you to be. This is where you belong. In the middle of that passage that we heard Bruce read for us from Romans chapter 12, we have verse 5, and I want us to read this verse out loud together. Read it with me. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. doesn't matter what's going on in our heart. doesn't matter if we're worried or anxious or angry or scared. We all belong to each other, and a big part of what it means to be the church is to know that whatever is going on in our life, we can gather together on the weekends or throughout the week in small groups or classes or parts of programs or serving on teams, and we can know, we can be honest about the condition of our heart. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other, and if we're going to be serious about being a church where to know and to be known is our goal, we're going to have to spend some time Really digging into the idea, what does it mean to be parts of one body? What does it mean that we all belong to each other? And that's the idea that we're going to dig into uh, together today. But before we move forward with that idea, I'd like us to actually rewind a little bit and go back to last week. Last week we talked about the rhythm of Jesus' life, and it shows up in Luke chapter 6 very you know, clearly but if you read through the Gospels, uh, books like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the books of the Bible that talk about how Jesus spent his time and how he lived his life, you'll see this kind of all over the place. Jesus spends time in solitude. He gets alone, away from the crowds, by himself, and he spends time being quiet so that he can stay connected to his Heavenly Father, so he can be filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That moves him into community. He has the 12 apostles that he chooses. They do life together, share life together, share their hearts with one another. And then that community always flows into mission or service to the world. And Jesus sends his disciples out uh, in this mission. They're going to heal. They're going to teach. They're going to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. They're going to cast out demons. They're going to create a kingdom culture. It's amazing the mission that Jesus has. And that he invites us all to be a part of this, to shape our lives more and more all the time around this kind of a rhythm. If we're going to be one body, 
united in Christ. If we're going to be the kind of church where we understand we all belong to each other, what does that actually look like as we get to this place where we carry out the, the mission that's been assigned to us? And probably in order to get the clearest picture of what that looks like, we probably need to watch a movie clip, don't you think? And we pro it probably should be an animated movie clip. So this is Disney Pixar, their second feature film, the one they did after Toy Story. I think it's kind of the forgotten one. It's uh, A Bug's Life. And I remember it because it's about an ant colony in the middle of an island on a, on a river, and they're collecting uh, seeds and storing them so they have enough food for the winter. And one of the ants is named Flick. That's why I remember it. One of my best friends, we call him Flick. So Flick has kind of this gift of innovation. He's very creative. He's always looking for new and improved ways to collect the seeds, gather the seeds, store the seeds. How can we do it in a more efficient manner? How can we enhance the quality of life for the ant colony? But it seems like the more Flick uses his gifts, the more it feels like he does not belong. Take a look. You're weird, but I like you. Isn't that the truth? Turn to somebody really close to you and remind them of that reality. You are weird, but I like you. Emphasis on the second half of that, if you would, please. You are weird, but I like you. Um, when I was in seminary, when we were studying to become pastors, we had to spend a lot of time looking at personality type and the different ways in which we've been uniquely wired by God, uh, how that impacts the way we think and the way we view the world and that sort of thing. It's really kind of been fascinating to me. My best friend Dan, he is the exact opposite personality of me on the Myers-Briggs personality um, indicator. And so I'm an extrovert and he's an introvert. Uh, I am a thinker, he is a feeler. I like to do things sort of spontaneously. Dan has to have a plan. Uh, he needs an agenda. He needs to know what's next and when is it happening. And because of the way he's uniquely wired, when we get together, one of the things we like to do is watch movies. And Dan hates to be late for movies. He defines being late to a movie if we're not sitting in our seat in the theater 10 minutes before the preview start, then we're late. And so when Dan is here in Iowa visiting and we're going to movies and theaters and he doesn't know how long it takes to get there, he's always asking, are you sure we're going to be there on time? Are you sure this is the fastest way? And I just kind of shake my head and say, Dan, you are weird, but I like you. And, and this last time he was here, it was when we had the freezing rain and the ice storm. And I said to him, we've got an agenda, we've got a plan, we're going to get to these movies, but you just need to know Part of the plan is driving to Omaha in the middle of the freezing rain and ice storm. But Dan, just think of it as an adventure. <laughs> and he looked at me and he shook his head. He said, you are weird. There's no way that's an adventure. But I like you. He, I like you. So we've got different ways that we've been uniquely wired. We all have different strengths and different weaknesses. And I think a lot of times we're kind of like the grumpy ant. Uh, uh, the grump, grumpy ants on that clip where they say to Flick, you need to do things just like everybody else. Do it the way it's always been done. Do it like everybody else do. Stop being so different. Stop being so unique. And I think sometimes when it comes to our personalities and, and our differences, we have that same tendency. You are weird and you should not do it that way. You are weird and you should be more like me. But our differences, according to Scripture, are part of God's grace in our life. This is what Paul says. He goes on to say, uh, verse 6 of Romans chapter 12, uh, in his grace... God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. In his grace, God has made us different. He's gifted us in unique ways, in different ways. It's all part of God's grace. 
the way in which God pours out his love into our lives. And then Paul goes on, he lists some of those gifts in Romans 12. He doesn't give an exhaustive list. He just wants us to start thinking about how has God gifted each one of us. When's the last time you actually spent some time thinking about that? What are three or five things that you enjoy doing and you're actually pretty good at it? When's the last time you asked someone in your life, a a spouse, a family member, a friend, a, a colleague, what are one or two things that you see that I'm good at, that I'm gifted at? And what would it look like for us to start using those more and more all the time for the sake of God's mission in the world? This is what God desires of us. You think of that uh, rhythm of Jesus' life, from solitude to community and to mission out into the world, ministry out in the world. It's always done uh, together in groups. Luke 6, Jesus picks his 12 apostles. Luke chapter 9, he sends them out in mission, but he doesn't send them out alone. He sends them out in pairs. Chapter later, Luke chapter 10, now there's 72 more disciples, new disciples. Jesus has trained them and equipped them, and he sends them out again in pairs to do ministry together. And the way we talk about that at Hope is just with this phrase, doing church as a team. Everything we do around here, we don't want anyone to be feeling like it's all up to them, that they have to do it all by themselves. We like to do church as a team. Uh, I remember when this became a really important idea for me. Uh, My first job in ministry was director of youth ministries at a church. So I was in charge of building the team to do ministry for middle school and high school students. Well, I was 23 years old. And I was excited about hanging out with middle school students and high school students and talking to them about Jesus, but I was not excited about recruiting old people, like 30-year-olds, to be a part of the team, you know, to work with me and help out with middle school and high school youth group. So I didn't build a very good team. And one Wednesday night, when it was youth group night, my team didn't show up. The students came, but none of the team showed up, and it was miserable. It was a nightmare, and I remember it was a defining moment for me because at the end of that night, I was sitting down in the youth room, you know, resting my back against the wall, just kind of shaking my head, feeling defeated and discouraged, and probably like this ministry thing is not my calling. But the next day, I started making phone calls. I started making appointments and having face-to-face conversations with old people, adults asking them to join the team, let's be a part of this team, and together let's do ministry for middle school and high school students. And it was a game changer for me. And if you've been around Hope for very long, you've heard me say this, but I think we need to be reminded on a pretty regular basis. When we hire staff here at Hope Ankeny, uh, we we do not primarily hire them to do ministry. We hire them to build teams that will do ministry. And it's an important distinction. And let me try to explain what I mean by this and and why this is important. So number one, we do ministry, uh, we do church as a team because it's biblical. Jesus does this. He sends them out in teams. He sends them out together. Uh, We also see Paul talking about the role of leaders in the church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to equip, to train, to raise up people in the congregation so that they can do ministry. That does not mean that staff at church Uh, We don't do it with you. Of course we do. We better not be asking you to do anything we're not willing to do ourselves. But part of what it looked like for me in student ministry was as the ministry grew, I spent less and less time with the students and more and more time with the adults, training them, equipping them so that they could hang out with the students and have that kind of interaction. So we do church as a team because it's biblical. And then there's a reason why it's biblical. 
Because when we do it together, when we do it as a church, it's actually sustainable. Think about it. Jesus started this movement that we call the church 2,000 years ago. And it, you know, generation after generation after generation, it still goes. And, you know, it's completely a God thing, but part of the way God caused it to work was by training and equipping new teams, new groups of people to continue to carry out this mission in the world. Our vision here at Hope, our vision is to be a spirited, growing, and Christ-centered community filled with hope. And we want it to be something that is sustainable for the sake of our kids, for the sake of our, our grandkids, for the sake of people who currently aren't part of this church. We want it to be sustainable. So you look at the vision, spirited, growing, and Christ-centered. There it is. Let's say those three words together. Say them with me. Spirited, growing, and Christ-centered. And you line up the vision of hope with the rhythm of Jesus' life. And you start to see some kind of cool connections. So Jesus spends time in solitude. He invites us to do that. What happens in solitude? Uh, we are empowered by God's Spirit. We learn to listen for God's voice. We learn to be led by God, directed by God through the work of the Holy Spirit. We want to be a growing community. Sometimes we talk about growth around here, both deep and wide. Deep growth, you could kind of sum that up with the great commandment. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. You're not going to be able to love your neighbor as yourself if you're not part of a community, right? And so there's that part of it, growing deep. And then growing wide is more and more people all the time being a part of what God is up to in this congregation. Uh, all kinds of reasons that all kinds of churches actually do not experience growth. And then there are all kinds of reasons why this particular church has been experiencing a lot of growth. Uh, we've been around for 11 years here in Ankeny. We were looking at just the last five years recently, and part of what we've seen, the growth that's happening, weekend worship attendance, which is only one way to talk about growth, and it's kind of the easy way to talk about it, so that's what we talk about more than anything else, it seems like. But um, we've grown 242% in the last five years, uh, from a little over 400 every weekend. Yeah, <laughs> praise God for that. A little over 400 every weekend in 2011, a little over 1,400 this last year, 2016. And again, we, tr we try to be as humble as we can about that God has given us gifts. We, we use them, uh, and then it's God who provides the growth. It's God who provides the increase, and for whatever reason, we've been growing a lot around here. Um, spirited, growing, and Christ-centered. What does a Christ-centered mission look like? Remember Jesus says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away. And so more and more all the time, that's what we want to be about. How do we grow as people who are loving and serving the world around us in Jesus' name? Uh, a while ago, I had some friends who were able to come and, and worship with us at Hope Ankeny, and afterwards we were talking, and they said to me, Scott, it just seems like everything flows so smoothly, everything's so well-coordinated around here, and so we had them fooled for that particular weekend. But the, the reason we're able to ever do anything smoothly or in any kind of coordinated fashion is because we do church as a team. I mean, if it was up to me, it would be a chaotic train wreck around here. If we've grown 242% weekend worship attendance... Every ministry team has had to grow as well, and we praise God that that is happening. It's so cool to see new people joining teams, using gifts that we didn't even know about, and people are actually having fun doing that. Look how much fun Trevor is having running the soundboard down there. Man, he's a bit of a nuisance, but we like him. He's weird, but we like him. Um, and there's a place for you on all of these teams, and so many of you are already doing it, serving in so many ways on the weekends and, and all week long. 
It's a beautiful thing to see uh, the church working like this. Um, you look at our community that we're a part of, it continues to grow. Our mission is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ, and you continue to do that, and new people keep coming, and they find it to be a place where they belong and they want to stay. And so there's no reason to think we will not continue to grow, which means each ministry team will need to continue to grow. And I want to talk about three places right now where we could use your gifts if you are gifted in these ways. Uh, do you remember what the first command in the Bible is? The first command God gives to humans in scripture be fruitful and multiply and you are a very obedient congregation the nursery is overflowing <laughs> and so <clears throat> kathy pilch could use more uh, staff there we've got paid staff and volunteers who serve in the nursery we're so grateful for them but we've got a lot of babies and, and, and young young toddlers i guess we we would love for you to contact kathy if that's an area of giftedness for you Children's ministry is one of the places we continue to always need more help and people to use their gifts. We have a new children's ministry director. Go to the next slide. There she is, Christy Schmall in the green shirt right there. And Christy comes to us from South Dakota, where for the last several years she's been a program director at a Lutheran church camp there. So she brings some real awesome gifts and uh, thoughts that are going to be helpful for us in children's ministry also on staff in children's ministry is Malia Slinger, and Christy and Malia would love to talk to you. There's all kinds of different roles in children's ministry, some helping with the kids, some behind-the-scenes kinds of things. So if that's something you'd be interested in, please uh, shoot them an email, stop by and talk to them. Um, and then maybe some of you are thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. We got a new children's ministry director? What happened to the old children's ministry director? What happened to Angie Rathman? Well, we had to let her go, but... No, I'm sorry. That's awful. That's just awful. Uh, Angie has a new role, Connections Coordinator. We're really excited about this. Um, one of her primary roles will be leadership of the hospitality team. And later on in Romans chapter 12, Paul says uh, he encourages us to practice hospitality. Be eager to practice hospitality. If you want to be a church where everyone feels like they belong, hospitality, welcome, it's, it's one of the keys. So ushers and greeters, Parking lot attendants, we would love to have you help with the parking lot team so that people are, you know, not doing things they regret out in the parking lot when they're coming or going from church, for goodness sakes. Um, Cafe Hope, communion servers, there's computers, checkpoint computers where you sign your kids in and out or you sign yourself in and out for classes. And I don't know how those computers work, but people on the welcome team do. And if, if you'd like to do that, we could use your help. So those are three areas, but again, every team. Every team is always welcoming uh, new volunteers. So think about how you've been gifted. Think about what it would look like for you to uh, join one of the teams here at Hope. Let's just be honest for a little bit. Can we be? Does it ever feel like, I don't know, an infomercial when I do this sort of thing? Does it ever feel like I'm just trying to, oh, uh, here's Scott again. He needs more volunteers. He's trying to feed the beast and I got, got to get everybody up. So I just want you to know that's not our heart when we talk about serving, when we talk about teams. It, that, I, I think, to be clear, maybe your gift set would best be used serving God in ways that aren't even connected to anything that happens here at Hope. It, it might be something completely unrelated to anything we do at Hope. That's awesome. We, whatever it is for you, uh, figure it out and get involved. This, it's going to lead you to a, a better kind of life. There are certain ministries that we absolutely need help with, and, and so we need to talk about it every once in a while. But I want you to understand 
our heart behind it. And to do that, um, to illustrate our heart behind it, I'm actually going to need three volunteers. So if you'd like to volunteer, I see that hand. Come on up. And, okay, Shaden, my son, I have to let him. Uh, what's your name? Julia? Junia? Come on up. Okay, come over here. How about a huge round of applause for our kid volunteers? All right. Uh, how about you hold this? How about you hold the salt? And... Oh, this is for you, Junia. Yeah. Now, don't hit anyone with it. Okay. We're good. And I'll bring this over. Now, let's walk back to the middle so they can see us better. Okay? So, this is, again, we're trying to illustrate what is our heart behind serving on teams and doing church as a team. And here's what we're going to do. Shaden has a empty poster tube. At the bottom of it is a napkin held in place by a rubber band. And Junia... Are you feeling strong? Not really? Well, we'll let you try it anyway. Here's what I want you to try to do. Shaden, you hold it this way, and you take this dowel, and you're going to try to stick it through the tube and break the really, really strong napkin. Do you think you're strong enough to do that? You did it! You're a lot stronger than you think. Let's put it back this way. Pull it, keep holding on to that. All right, we're going to try to make it a little more difficult. Um, so you keep holding on to that, and we'll, we'll redo it. We can't use the broken napkin, but we'll try to do it with this one. Uh, okay, Shaden, why don't you stand that right on the floor? Put it right, yeah, oh, perfect. And then take both of your hands and just kind of, but don't, don't get stuck on my rubber band, whatever you do. I've got kind of fat fingers, and my hands don't work well. It makes it really hard for me to do sign language, but I can... I can persevere, maybe. All right, you flip it over. There, I did it. Okay, don't break the napkin. Oh, this is going to be fantastic. All right, are you ready? Harper? Not in there. Here's what we're going to do. Put that there. You're going to pour the salt into the tube. Shaden, come hold this for her. Slowly, if you spill, Dan has to clean it up and... You're doing a little faster. It doesn't really matter if you spill. He'll clean it up. He loves to do that. Okay. I want you to imagine each salt crystal represents you. So we're pouring the congregation into here, right? A bunch of individual salt crystals coming together at the bottom of a poster tube. And you got it? You did it. You did wonderful, Harper. That's great. Oh, yeah. Get it all in there. Perfect. Now, now you're going to have to be really, really strong, Junia. Keep... Keep it there just in case she's stronger than she thinks. We want you to pound this dowel through there again and break the napkin just like you did last time. You think you can do it? Do you think? You, cheer her on. Come on, Junia. You can do it. You might have to make really now loud grunting noises. I can't. You can't? Harper, are you feeling strong? No. You don't, not at all? What if we all try it together? What if we do it together? Do you think we can? Everyone get a hand on there it's not gonna go okay stop did it break it's still together can you believe that napkin was strong enough to do that okay round of applause no one's really been as excited about that as i have been you're you're a tough congregation to please here i think though i think it's a picture of the church though jesus says this to his disciples at one point upon this rock i will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. 
our society is pretty competitive. And this part of the world, I mean, people are posting on their social media all the time, hey, we were in this competition this week, whether it's sports or music or academics or business people, businesses are very much competitive, uh, trying to get larger, larger portion of the market share. And if we have to take out our competitor and put them out of business in order to do that well, it's business, right? And sometimes we apply that mindset to the church, that church is in competition. Well, we must be in competition with other churches in town. Nothing could be further from the truth. Make no mistake, we're trying to increase our market share. We're trying to put our competition out of business. But our competition isn't other churches. Our competition is hell. And maybe you think, oh, Pastor Scott, it's a little bit of hyperbole, don't you think? Eh. You don't have to look very hard or very long to see that hell seems to be winning far too frequently in our world. There's a couple of stories just in the last two months in central Iowa of children who were being abused. I think sometimes they even used the word tortured right here in central Iowa. One of them died. And so the reason we ask you to get involved in the church, the reason we ask you to be a part of a team is because we're in a battle. And the more and the more that we can cast a different vision for life and how relationships work, the better this world is going to be for everyone. Paul says, Paul says, do not conform to the ways of the world, but let God transform you. Jesus talks about it with a little different language. He says, the way of the world, there's this wide path that leads to hell, leads to death, leads to destruction. Almost everybody goes that way. But Jesus invites us to a different path, a narrow road that leads to life. And he says the reality is there are few people who find it. But that's the invitation. And what's fascinating to me is when Jesus comes to people like fishermen and he says, follow me, people are willing to drop everything to follow Jesus because he casts such a compelling vision for life that is counter to, that's completely different from the way of life that everybody else is offering. And Paul kind of talks about it later on in Romans chapter 12. What's this vision for life that Jesus has in mind? Paul says, don't pretend to love others, really love them. Live in harmony with all people. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them, pray for them, don't curse them. Don't pay back evil with more evil, but overcome evil by doing good. And Jesus invites us to follow him into this kind of life. Paul will write later on, there's no more slave or free, no more Jew or Gentile, no more male or female, we're all one in Christ Jesus. What kind of a place would our world be if the church was really living that out? And so the good news is, and what gets me really excited, is we actually have every gift that we need in order to keep hell at bay. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'll start in verse 4. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, through Christ, God has enriched your church in every way. With all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge, this confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have every spiritual gift you need. This church, we, we have every spiritual gift we need to do what it is that God has called us to do, to be the kind of people God has called us to be. Now, the problem is, 
Some of those gifts are in you and you don't know it. Or you don't believe it. You don't believe that you have something that this church needs. So, one more clip from this movie, A Bug's Life. Flick, uh, constantly messing things up. And they have an enemy that's trying to conquer them. It's the grasshoppers. And so Flick goes into the city to get some warrior bugs to come back and do battle with their enemy. He thinks he finds some great warrior bugs. It turns out they're actors. They're circus bugs. And so when the rest of the ant colony finds out about this, they kick Flick out of the community. And they send the warrior bugs back to the service. So when this scene begins, Flick, he's got a lonely and a broken heart. He's feeling pretty discouraged. He's convinced there's nowhere that he belongs. He just needs to be reminded he has something that everybody else needs. Take a look. Lord, I pray that more and more all the time we would become a kind of church that would cause people to look at us and say, what's with the rock? And our response would be, it's a God thing. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your vision for life. And we confess that in so many ways we, we conform. We go the way of the world instead of walking by faith and following you. So we thank you for your forgiveness. We ask that you'd forgive us for doubting that you've gifted us. We ask for your forgiveness when we look down on others, when instead of saying you're weird but I like you, we just say you're weird and we push them away from us and out of community. And we thank you, Lord, that you are a God who uh, fills up whatever it is that is empty in our lives. You are a God who heals. You are the cure for our broken hearts. So we pray as we sing these songs together now in gratitude, in, re in response to what you have done, in worship and in praise, uh, you would pour out your spirit, you would empower us, you would change us, you would transform us more and more all the time to be Christians, to be little Christs. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.